Thank you for joining me for today's Beast Watch News Update. News from the Internet's most comprehensive Bible prophecy news website, BeastWatchNews.com. I'm Kimberly Rogers Brown. This week's news is dedicated to the dedication. This is your deception early warning sign. Today's entire broadcast will explore whether or not this altar is the one prophecy watchers are looking for, the one that will have been erected so that it can be shut down to trigger the Great Tribulation. I don't have enough time to read the whole article, only excerpts, from the breaking news article titled Sanhedrin Invites 70 Nations to Hanukkah Dedication of Altar for the Third Temple. There are many issues to consider within this breaking Israel news article, but I will focus on just four. The authority of the altar, the date of the dedication, who is included in the ceremony and the stated agenda in the Sanhedrin's declaration. The Breaking Israel News article says the dedication will be a full-dress reenactment of the Korbano Tamid, the daily offering. First, this is not a dedication per se, but a public display of an ongoing daily offering. An altar dedication is much bigger in scope than what the Sanhedrin will do, as we'll see in just a couple of minutes. The Sanhedrin was reinstituted in 2004 and several years ago made public the daily offering rehearsals being performed somewhere in an undisclosed location around Temple Mount. Now, they are going to perform this ritual openly, not in secret. So the claim that this is an altar dedication is false. However, there is a purpose behind this that you will understand by the end of this broadcast. For reasons that I cannot address here, but of which I have written and posted in the past, Yahweh's altar cannot be a legitimate, operational one with authority over Yahweh's people until it is placed on the peak of what we now call Temple Mount, where he specified his altar to be located. Although this altar is located on the premises of the mount, Mount Moriah, Yahweh had a specific area in mind when he instructed David and Solomon about the altar's location. Outside the wall of Jerusalem's old city, where the Sanhedrin will be doing this ritual, is not that authorized placement. Plus, the Sanhedrin is not an authoritative governmental body since it applies for permits to perform the rehearsal. It has no civil or religious authority in modern Israel. But the Israeli government will, when it is ready, implement the Sanhedrin's efforts to bring the Jewish Messiah, the Antichrist. Regarding the timing of this so-called dedication, a non-authorized altar can be dedicated anytime. But what about a legitimate altar to Yahweh? 
Well, let's see what the Jews and the Bible have to say. Rabbi Hillel Weiss explained, According to Jewish tradition, the tabernacle and Aaron the priest were consecrated for service on the last day of Hanukkah. Jewish traditions are just that, traditions. They are not the truth. The last day of Hanukkah, which is to Tevet, never played a role in Yahweh's kingdom for any event. Let's go to the Bible to find out when Yahweh says the altar was dedicated. Exodus 40 verse 1 And the Lord spoke to Moses saying On the first day of the first month you shall set up the tabernacle of the tent of the congregation and you shall anoint the altar of the burnt offering and his vessels and sanctify the altar and it shall be an altar most holy. The Jews claim that the tabernacle's altar dedication happened on what would later be the last day of Hanukkah. They derive this from the words Zot Hanukkah HaMizbeach in Numbers 784 according to the article. All that Numbers 784 says this was the dedication of the altar in the day when it was anointed by the princes of Israel. The princes of Israel swore homage to the altar, one tribe per day for twelve days, finishing on the twelfth of Nisan. Nothing is mentioned about finishing the altar's tribal dedications on to Tevet. Judaism's doctrine and tradition changed actual biblical history. This is just another example of the leaven of the Pharisees and how the Jews have changed the scripture. Ask yourself if you believe the Bible, which says Moses and the tribes went through this ceremony starting at the first day of the first month, Nisan 1, finishing on Nisan 12, as Yahweh commanded, or did they wait until 9 Kislev, finishing on 2 Tevet? This last day of Hanukkah dedication also violates the history of the Maccabees who began operating the restored altar on the first day of Hanukkah which is 25 Kislev. Furthermore, Yahweh tells us which day to look for his altar to be dedicated in Haggai 2. And it says in Haggai 2.18, Pay attention. From now on, from this 24th day of the ninth month, when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, pay attention. The Maccabees dedicated the restored altar on 25 Kislev. But on what day would they have laid the foundation stone? What day would they have prepared it to begin functioning? A functioning altar cannot be prepared and dedicated on the same day, even in modern times. 
the Maccabees would have spent many days in advance of 25 Kislev completing the restoration. Thus, Haggai 2 prophesies the altar restoration will be finished on 24 Kislev in time for its dedication the next day. Another defilement and the subsequent restoration would happen again. The next time was in 70 AD when the Romans destroyed the temple and the altar which has yet to be restored. If Yahweh uses patterns from the beginning to tell us what will happen at the end, then we should expect that the real functional altar will see its final restoration complete on 24 Kislev at some future year as prophesied by Haggai 2.18, not on the last day of Hanukkah, which is to Tivet. There is a problem regarding which Hebrews will be present for this dress rehearsal and which will not be. According to this article, the Jews will be the only Hebrew leaders dedicating this altar. This Sanhedrin altar is reminiscent of what happened when the Jews rebuilt the temple at the end of the Babylonian captivity. Ezra 4.1 says when the enemies of Judah and Benjamin learned that the former exiles were building a temple for the Lord God of Israel, they came to Zerubbabel and the leaders and said to them, Let us help you build, for like you we seek your God, and we have been sacrificing to him from the time of King Esarhaddon of Assyria who brought us here. These were a mixed population of Hebrews and non-Hebrews speaking to the returning Jews. Some were remnants of the northern tribes. Some were even Jews who were left behind during the Babylonian captivity. The practice of taking a nation into captivity usually was to take the elites and upper middle class and leave the poorer people behind. In this case, we even read that the people who want to help build the temple mention the house of Israel's Assyrian captivity. They testify that the Assyrians had relocated them in Samaria. Historically, this is correct since the Assyrians moved into northern Israel after that war. We do this today. In America, the Indians were put on reservations. In Australia, the Aborigines were the victims of being put in reservations as well. The British confined the blacks of South Africa in this same manner. This kind of confinement had happened to the northern house of Israel remnant which is why to this day the majority of the house of Israel descendants still living in Israel are in the West Bank. Ezra 4.3 But Zerubbabel, Yeshua and the rest of the leaders of Israel said to them You have no right to help us build the temple of our God. We will build it by ourselves, for the Lord God of Israel, just as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, has commanded us. 
rather than include their house of Israel brethren in the rebuilding of the temple to provide a possible way for the house of Israel to return to worshiping Yahweh the southern house of Israel rejected them I could say more about this here but I don't have time Ezra 4.4 then the local people began to discourage the people of Judah and to dishearten them from building they were hiring advisors to oppose them so as to frustrate their plans throughout the time of King Cyrus of Persia until the reign of King Darius of Persia the Jews rejection of their northern Hebrew brethren caused the continuation of hatred between the two houses that is still going on today after 2900 years from the onset of this war even the writings of Ezra and Nehemiah became propaganda against the house of Israel we see the prejudice of the Jews against their West Bank Samaria brethren when in both books they ascribe the term children of Israel to only the southern house of Judah the Jews ask yourself if Israel will be comprised of four tribes or twelve in Yeshua's kingdom now to Isaiah 49 from which Rabbi Weiss quotes verse 6 Isaiah 49 6 says and he that's Yahweh said it is a light thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel I will also give you for a light to the Gentiles that you may be my salvation to the end of the earth Rabbi Weiss says it is fitting that we meaning the Jews should invite the nations to the ceremony since Hanukkah is about bringing light to the darkness the Jews were meant to do this for the entire world he said quoting the prophet Isaiah is Yahweh talking about the Jews in Isaiah 49 6 or is he talking about the work of Yeshua the Messiah of course Yahweh is talking about Yeshua the context of Isaiah 49 is all about the Messiah Yeshua so Rabbi Weiss's misuse of this messianic reference from Yahweh belies Judaism's doctrine that it is the Jews who are the world's Messiah listen to what it says in Isaiah 49 1 listen to me you coastlands pay attention you people from far away Yahweh called me from the womb while I was still in my mother's body he pronounced my name who did Yahweh call from the womb Yeshua his mission is to call his people back from far away in their exile verse 2 he made my mouth like a sharp sword he hid me in the shadow of his hands he made me like a polished arrow and hid me away in his quivers he said to me you are my servant Israel in whom I will glorify myself the Messiah is Israel 
the Messiah and Israel cannot be separated but the people of Israel the entire kingdom is to be his light on the earth as well the Jews do not comprise but one third of his kingdom what is Judaism's lie about Israel that Israel is the Jews only and that it is the Jews who are the world's Messiah according to Rabbi Weiss in this article it is the Jews that shine forth Yahweh's light however we know that Yeshua said he is the light of the world and thus this altar dedication will follow the Ezra Nehemiah model rather than the earlier scriptural models of Moses and Solomon here's the way Yahweh specified his altar to be dedicated the account of the Exodus specifies that all 12 tribes were involved in building and erecting the tabernacle and its altar Exodus 39:42 says the children of Israel had done all the work according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses so they were all later involved in the altar's dedication as it says in number 7 at the dedication of Yahweh's permanent abode the temple King Solomon called an assembly of the leaders of all 12 tribes to the dedication no one from the nations was called to participate as is being done with this Sanhedrin altar this Sanhedrin will dedicate this altar without all 12 tribes present or even acknowledged as was done in the time of Ezra and Nehemiah the Jewish only second temple operated without the northern tribes this was never Yahweh's intent when Yeshua came to make possible the return of the exiled and cut off house of Israel roughly 400 years ago the Jews rejected Yeshua and the tribes he wanted to restore furthermore if the Jews are the Messiah why don't they want to save those who should be most precious to them the house of Israel they refused to be the house of Israel's savior they refused to even allow Yeshua to be our savior are they now to declare themselves the Messiah of all the earth when they won't even acknowledge their own brethren from their forefather Jacob consequently Yahweh destroyed his temple again and dispersed the house of Judah into the nations in 70 AD where they remain to this day even though some Jews have returned to Israel in the last 70 years the lesson to learn is that Yahweh is not interested in a kingdom a temple or an altar that doesn't include all 12 tribes furthermore this breaking Israel news article claims that Yahweh did not exile the Jews as punishment but so that they could be a light to the world here's the quote from Rabbi Weiss 
God's call to return his people to his land will show that the belief of some nations that Israel was in exile as a punishment was a mistaken belief. The exile was only in order for Israel to serve as an example to the nations for serving God. Were it not for the exile, Muhammad would not have known God and would have been idolatrous like his other brothers. Were the Jews not in Rome, the idolaters would have remained to this day. The Torah was translated into Greek, and the nations copied the word of God because there were Jews in the Egyptian exile. Judaism's doctrine is so evil that it cannot admit to having sinned against Yahweh. Judaism teaches that all Jews are righteous, even in the face of Jewish atheism and rampant homosexuality in Israel and worldwide among them. Not to mention all the other sins they commit that come up in the news every day. This Sanhedrin altar underscores the Jews' agenda to restore Israel under the house of Judah only, leaving out all the other Hebrew descendants of Jacob. This is in defiance of the jubilee they declared for themselves last year, and now this altar will become as much a monument to their intent as the recent nation-state bill that defined their intent. Now you might be asking how the Jews could call leaders from the other tribes since the other tribes don't yet exist having not been regathered as tribes. Good question. The answer lies in the fact that Judah's kingly job was to do what David did and restore the twelve tribes starting in 1948. The Jews would have had to search for us but they would have found us within Christianity where we have been trapped by the Edomites for 1700 years and in Islam where we have been trapped for 1400 years. The Jews have made no attempt to reach out to any tribes beyond their own house of Judah and have made every effort to stop our progress in keeping the Torah. They have done this by demanding that we keep only the Noahide laws. The coming Jewish Messiah, the descendant of Solomon, will demand that non-Jews comply with only the seven Noahide laws and keeping the Sabbath will incur the death penalty per Judaism's doctrine that all Gentiles and Noahides keeping the Sabbath deserve death. Keep listening because I'm revealing the Jews' true deception with this Sanhedrin altar. The Sanhedrin's coming declaration on the last day of Hanukkah, December 10th, is nothing more than a hidden invitation to convert to Judaism or agree to keep the Noahide laws. There is a big push in Judaism at this time to subjugate and pigeonhole all of the earth's people into Judaism or Noahide. 
I'll bet you thought that Islam was the only religion with this same agenda to subjugate the earth, didn't you? Well, it's not true. In fact, all three monotheistic religions have this agenda. Christianity is the weakest one at this time and will not arise again the way it has in the past. Nope. This time, the two religions to duke it out will be Judaism and Islam. An online statement of this fact is found in the description of World of the Gare book published March 4, 2016 by Chaim Chlorphine and David Katz. It says, The World of the Gare is the newest classic of the Noahide bookshelf. This groundbreaking new work aims to give back an identity to the seekers of the world. Do you have a strong desire to learn the Torah? Were you born to a non-Jewish mother? Have you asked yourself the question, If I wasn't born a Jew, but I'm drawn to Jewish stuff, what am I? Well, according to Yahweh, you are one of his people from one of his twelve tribes that he is calling back to keep the Torah. To fulfill Moses and the other prophets' prophecies about this end times generation. But, according to this book, Jewish organizations such as Texas-based Netiv and the rampant Jewish conversion ring, we are either Gentile or nothing. Certainly not Jews and not Hebrews. Stay tuned, I'll be right back after these messages. Each year at Passover, you say, Next year in Jerusalem. Well, this is the year. Join Ani Yosef for 13 glorious days in and around Jerusalem, beginning with four days of service to the land, followed by Passover and a week of touring in Jerusalem. For just $825, get lodging and two meals per day while staying in a Jewish community with other Hebrews from all over the world. Go to AniYosef.com for details. That is A-N-I-Y-O-S-E-F.com. Join us this year in Jerusalem. Thank you for listening to the Jerusalem Report on Beast Watch News. Full news coverage with a Hebraic perspective of the headlines fulfilling Bible prophecy. Remember to financially and prayerfully support Beast Watch News for keeping you up to date. Send your donation to Beast Watch News today. It takes money to operate this ministry and your help is much appreciated. Welcome back. This Sanhedrin began pushing the Noahide laws in 2006 when they held a session with the Worldwide Noahides Organization. The headline from this session is as follows. Sanhedrin establishes council to teach humanity laws of Noah. It says a group of non-Jewish delegates have come to Jerusalem to pledge their loyalty to the laws of Noah before the nascent Sanhedrin, establishing a high council for B'nai Noach. 
The ten delegates appeared before a special session of the Jewish High Court of 71 rabbis, led by its Nasi, President Rabbi Adin Evan Israel Steinsaltz. B'nai Noach literally means children of Noah, also known as Noahides, are non-Jews who take upon themselves the Torah's obligations for all members of the human race, consisting of seven laws passed on via Noah following the flood, as documented in Genesis. The gathering took place under a banner quoting the Bible passage, For then I will change the nations to speak a pure language, so that they will all proclaim the name of the Lord to serve Him with united resolve. That's from Zephaniah 3.9, and it's a real bastardization of what that verse says. The Noahide delegates stood before the nascent Sanhedrin, which was reestablished over a year ago in Tiberias and has met regularly since then. Each one comes with a name he has made in the world as a teacher and example in his community of observance of the seven laws of Noah, said Rabbi Michael Barone, introducing the delegates. At great physical and financial expense, they have come to Jerusalem, the holy city, from far and wide to pledge their allegiance for the first time in history before the Sanhedrin to the laws of the Creator. Each of the Noahide representatives stood before the Sanhedrin and pledged, I pledge my allegiance to Hashem, the God of Israel, Creator and King of the Universe, to His Torah and representatives. I pledge to uphold the seven laws of Noah in all their details according to the oral law of Moses under the guidance of the developing Sanhedrin. May Hashem bless and aid me, my fellow council members, and all B'nai Noach in all our endeavors for the sake of his name. Blessed are you, God of the universe, who has caused me to live, sustained me, and brought me to this day. Another Jewish organization with an outreach program to Gentiles is the Nativ Center for Torah Study. According to the book, The World of the Gare, Nativ is an unaffiliated Orthodox outreach center geared toward the non-Jewish community, providing weekly Torah studies and a free research library. Nativ has become a vibrant Noahide slash Gare community center. Rabbis David Katz and Chaim Chlorfin, like all other good Jews, teach that only Jews were at Mount Sinai. They state in their book that Jethro realized that if he stayed with Moses and became a Jew, he would primarily be serving himself. But if he returned it to his family, he would be serving God. And so he said to Moses, No, I will not go with you. Rather, I must go to my land and my kinsmen. That's Numbers 10.30. This is nothing more than a doctrinal way of explaining to Gentiles that the Jews don't want them. However, 
the Jewish conversion ring acts to convert those people who just simply insist they must become Jewish. By taking this course of action, Jethro transcended his nature and bonded with the Lord, the God of Israel. This came to Jethro only through self-sacrifice, the Meserat Nefesh, in the service of God. Above this, there is no higher level as long as the soul is in the body, says Judaism. Had Jethro become a Jew and returned to Midian to convert his family, he would have been going against a halakhic-based tradition that strongly discourages Jews from proselytizing. Equally significant, he would have failed, for his people, the Kenites, did not become Jews. The Jews say they don't want proselytes, but they actively seek them out. Just read online and watch YouTube. Also, Jethro didn't try to convert his people, and this proves they would not have become Jews, because they didn't, because he didn't try to convert them. There is a circular reference here that defies logic. Judaism has changed the definition of ger from stranger to convert. They have also changed biblical history, calling Yahweh a liar, when they say that it was the Jews alone who were at Mount Sinai. Jethro was Moses' father-in-law, who had come to Mount Sinai to deliver Zipporah and Moses' sons to him. Moses asked Jethro to join himself to the Israelites, in effect, to convert from being a Gentile to being a Hebrew, since the people at Mount Sinai were Hebrews from the nation of Israel, all twelve tribes. Another name they call us is Righteous Gentile. Jews will call us anything but Hebrews. Now back to the Breaking Israel News article. The Jews were brought back to Israel for the purpose of spreading the light to the nations, Rabbi Weiss said. As the sages instructed the Jews to pray every day, a new light will shine upon Zion and we should all merit to this light very soon. This light is Torah, the light of Torah, which comes from Zion, which reveals the hidden aspects of God. The Torah is not hidden and does not hide our Elohim. In fact, the Torah reveals our Elohim. However, Judaism believes that you and I can't understand Torah or Yahweh, which is why they want us to agree to only keeping the seven Noahide laws. The Torah is just too much for us. Back to the article. And the real reason for the Sanhedrin to move forward with this rehearsal display. The ceremony will also be part of the Sanhedrin's ongoing effort to establish a Bible-based international organization to replace the United Nations. 
Rabbi Dove Stein, secretary of the Sanhedrin, described the dire need to replace the United Nations. He said, We now live in an era when threats are global and not limited to one country. This is true of weapons, environmental issues, and even social issues. The solutions must come from a universal effort. The United Nations has failed in its mandate by rejecting God as the creator and the Noahide laws common to all of mankind. Here is the real reason for this last day of Hanukkah dedication. The Jews are trying to make Judaism the earth's religion by dedicating the altar on a day completely unique to them and outside the confines of the scripture or Bible prophecy. In effect, they are defying Yahweh. They are raising themselves up in anticipation of the coming of the son of Solomon. He is coming at the behest of the Jews, not because Yahweh sent him. Judaism teaches that the Messiah will be a descendant of King Solomon. I have elsewhere dispatched that tradition as a lie in a couple of articles. You can click those links. And, as you will find out in a minute, this new Jewish-led United Nations will change everything. It will mean they will kill you for keeping the Sabbath. Continue listening because I will quote directly from their writings. The text of the Sanhedrin's declaration reveals the deceit being perpetrated by the Jews on the world in their own non-biblical Zionist agenda to subject non-Jews to the Noahide laws. As I've said before, submitting to Jewish doctrine, either through Judaism or through the Noahide laws, is to have submitted to Judaism and to have relegated yourself to being a servant of Jews in the world to come. You will never be a full citizen of Israel under this agenda just as their own nation-state bill seeks to downgrade the status of non-Jews in Israel now. They have already begun their drive forward to push the earth toward their agenda. The real problem with their agenda is that it will produce the Antichrist. Now here is more quotes from the declaration the Sanhedrin will make on December 10, 2018. All of humanity needs to prepare for the day that the Lord, that's Adonai, not Yahweh, will reign in Zion when they too, the Noahides, will make pilgrimage to Jerusalem to take their part in the temple service. It should be emphasized that the Ten Commandments that were given at that time belong to all the nations. However, in a minute, you will be told why you only need to keep the seven Noahide laws. 
They were heard all over the world in seventy languages, so that every nation would hear these things in their own language, the echo of things. At that time, we will all serve the one Creator and fulfill the moral obligations incumbent on all mankind. This is the case since the beginning of creation when he charged Adam with these obligations and once again he charged those who left the ark after the flood and Noah with his sons and again at Mount Sinai giving to humanity seven ironclad rules. Their declaration is that in the world to come two sets of laws will operate one for the Jews and one for everyone else but both sets of laws will be adjudicated by the Jews does this fit with what the scriptures say didn't Moses say there would be one law for everyone Hebrew stranger and even the foreigner didn't Yahweh say that he will rule the earth with an iron rod the Torah Another statement in this declaration is that humanity created religions such as Christianity and Islam. Leaving Judaism out of this list of religions tells us that Judaism believes itself to be the laws of the kingdom. Therefore, anyone who receives upon himself all of these seven rules in front of a rabbinic court has a special status in Judaism. In other words, they couldn't stop you from converting to Judaism fully, so they at least stopped you at becoming a Noahide. Even though they are not Jewish, they have entered into a full partnership in the service of God. And by this, they mean service to the Jews. Judaism teaches that there will be a time in the world to come when conversions to Judaism will cease. After that, your status as a Gentile or Noahide will be permanent. Now to the coup de grace behind this Sanhedrin altar. As a Noahide, did you know that if you're caught keeping the Sabbath or obeying any of the Torah, your punishment will be death? Let's listen to what Elkanon Adler wrote in this article. He holds the Eva Morris and Jack Rubin Chair of Talmud at the Rabbi Isaac Elkanon Theological Seminary Yeshiva University and has recently been appointed co-editor of Or HaMizra. Here are some quotes from this particular paper. There's the link to it. You can go read it for yourself. While the notion of commemorating the divine rest associated with primordial creation would seem to bear universal import, it is surely no coincidence that the mitzvah of Shabbat was assigned solely to Am Yisrael and not to B'nai Noah. Moreover, not only is a Gentile absolved of the obligation to observe Shabbat, he is actually enjoined from doing so. Hence, the Talmudic dictum, Goeshe Shavat Haye Mita, 
A Gentile who rests on the Sabbath incurs the death penalty, according to Sanhedrin 58b. According to several Midrashic sources, the prohibition for a Gentile to observe Shabbat is based on the passage Beni Uvein Bene Yisrael Hot He Leolam, Exodus 31.17. By designating Shabbat as an everlasting sign between the Ha'adosh Baruch Hu and B'nai Israel, the Torah emphatically affirms that Sabbath observance should be limited to members of the Jewish faith. Thus, the Melkita in this verse explicitly states its corollary. B'nai Uvein B'nai Yisrael uh, Elo B'nai Uvein Umot Ha'olam other Midrashim draw such an inference from a verse which appears in connection with the double portion of manna that descended on Friday in honor of Shabbat. Reuki Hashem Natan Lakem Ha Shabbat, Exodus 16:29. The term Lakem to you, the Midrash explains, specifically precludes non-Jews from the observance of Shabbat. The severity of the transgression and the commensurate level of its punishment are aptly illustrated in the Midrash by the image of a king and a courtesan whose intimate dialogue is abruptly interrupted by the sudden appearance of a foreign interloper. Just as such a brazen act of intrusion warrants retribution of the highest order, so too, the Midrash notes, is a Sabbath-observant Gentile deserving of the death penalty for meddling with the special relationship that exists between Melech Malkeh HaMelechin and B'nai Yisrael. Further evidence that the Talmudic conception of Goy Sheshavat differs from the Midrashic rationale may be gleaned from the context of the Talmud's analysis as to why the prohibition of Goy Sheshavat was not formally codified as one of the seven Noahide laws. In the next passage, Rabbi Yohanan posits that Goy Sheosek Betorah Hayav Mita, a non-Jew who studies Torah, is liable to the death penalty based on the verse Torah Tzi Alanu Moshe Morasha Kehilad Yaakov, Deuteronomy 34, or 33.4 rather. The word lanu serving as the basis for the exclusion of non-Jews from formal Torah study. Let's stop here and read Deuteronomy 33.4 which says, Moses commanded us a law, even the inheritance of the congregation of Jacob. This Torah is our inheritance and I will not allow any Jew to take it or Yeshua away from me again the Jews call themselves the entirety of Jacob the Torah 
is only for Judah, Levi, Benjamin, and Simeon, as these are the fullness of the tribes that became the house of Judah and who are known today as the Jews. This doctrine is truly hateful to the house of Israel, but more so to Yahweh, whose effort throughout history has been to bring back all of his people and all Gentiles into his kingdom to convert them to being Hebrews. I have said before that all Jews are Hebrews, but not all Hebrews are Jews And the Bible only has two kinds of people, Hebrews or Gentiles. The categories of people in the Bible are not Jews and Gentiles, but Hebrews and Gentiles. Now back to the article. Here too, the Talmud questions why such a prohibition was not explicitly enumerated as part of the Noahide Code. Two answers are suggested, both of which incorporate the ban against Gentiles studying Torah under an existing prohibition, either that of Gizel, which is theft, or Neuf, which is adultery. For idol worshippers, Shabbat observance is an infringement on the unique Jewish inheritance and consequently carries with it the death penalty. According to most Rishonim, which is rabbinic scholars, the capital punishment associated with a Sabbath-observing Noahide is no different than that meted out for the violation of any of the seven Noahide laws. However, according to Rambam in Hilkot Melakim 10.9, This transgression, as well as that which forbids a non-Jew to engage in Torah study, differs from the classic Noahide laws in that the Beit Din would merely inform the Noahide offender that his conduct is deserving of the death penalty, but would not exercise its legal powers to mete out the sentence. Also noteworthy is the novel view of Rabbi Eliyahu Hank in Teshuvo Tivra, Volume 2, pages 230-231, that even the punishment for a Gentile's violation of the seven Noahide laws is up to the discretion of the Jewish court and need not be implemented in the form of the death sentence. The principle of Azaratan Zohimatatan, according to Rabbi Hank, simply authorizes the Jewish court to administer extra-legal punishment, even of the capital variety, on a regular basis, but at its own discretion. Under the Noahide laws, you will be held accountable to the Jews. Having established the halakhic permissibility of the Ger Toshav to observe the Sabbath from the linguistic subtleties inherent in the phrase Velo Netatu and Velo Hinhalto, it would be appealing to interpret the phraseology of Vegam Bemenuhatu Vishkenu Arlim in support of the view that a prospective proselyte who has already undergone circumcision but has not yet immersed is not banned from Sabbath observance. 
as noted, this issue is the subject of great controversy among latter-day authorities. Interestingly enough, Rabino Yehuda chooses to interpret the reference to our Elim in figurative rather than literal terms. Thus, he explains that it refers to Arale Yisrael, sinful Jews with uncircumcised hearts who lose the privilege of experiencing the spirituality of the Sabbath rest. Not all Jews agree with the precept that a Gentile or Noahide keeping Sabbath deserves death. However, I will tell you that Rivka Lambert Adler, my ex-Jewish friend who is at the top of the Jewish conversion ring I only recently discovered, told me the Sabbath is not incumbent upon me and that many Jews believe I should die for keeping the Sabbath. That should have been a red flag to me, but she assured me she didn't mean to make me cry, which I did. I believe the Israeli government is quietly behind the activities of the Sanhedrin and one day will use it for their unbiblical Zionist purpose of causing their Jewish son of Solomon, anti-Yeshua Messiah, to come to the world stage. But we have to ask ourselves, why do the Jews want to kill you for keeping the Sabbath? It is because they need people upon whom the Sabbath is not incumbent so that they can get their lights turned on or off, the elevator buttons pushed, their meals cooked, their items carried outside their homes, etc. Actually, all the things for which they hire Gentiles on the Sabbath day. As a Noahide, Unable to keep the Sabbath, you can serve your Jewish master on the Sabbath so that they don't risk disobeying any of their hundreds of thousands of Sabbath laws. In other words, their righteousness depends on you not being righteous at all. Let's take a look at what Yeshua thinks of the Jewish conversion to Judaism or even their newly construed Noahide conversion push. He said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you compass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is made, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. I believe all this is part of Yahweh's plan to see who among his people will be willing to suffer, endure, and even die for this sign of the covenant. One final thing. These statements are not an indictment of all Jews, but Judaism, which is led by a few Jewish elites. The Jewish people are just duped like Christians who are stuck in their false doctrines. I know any negative comment about a Jew or Judaism is more and more regarded as anti-Semitism. 
The Bible talks about times when evil will be called good and good will be called evil in Isaiah 5.20. George Orwell said, Truth, it's the new hate speech. During times of universal deceit, telling the truth becomes a revolutionary act. So, some people will castigate what I have just said about this altar and the Jewish elite's plan to use Judaism to mimic Yeshua Messiah's kingdom by preparing for the Antichrist as anti-Semitic or even as conspiracy theory. For those who want to accuse me of being anti-Semitic, they imply that it is okay that I point out the lies and darkness of Christianity, but I dare say nary a word against the Jewish elites and Judaism. But guess what? It's said. Now, you must be a Berean and look at the scriptures, history, and prophecies yourself to decide between Judaism, which includes Noahidism or Yahweh's kingdom. And you can always read the scholarly Jewish rabbis articles for yourself. I have provided the links. That's it for this Beast Watch News update. This is Kimberly Rogers Brown signing off. Click over to BeastWatchNews.com for full comprehensive coverage of all the headlines fulfilling end of days Bible prophecy.